right, things are going down the tubes, and it's going fast. The other day we had um, people throwing Molotov cocktails uh, at police officers when attempting to stop a car in Brooklyn for a red light. We have the Democrats now seeking to pack the court by increasing the court to 13 on the threadbare excuse that since there are 13 circuits, we need one justice assigned to each uh, circuit. How this is going to um, actually pan out is a little bit incredible, given that the court barely hears 100 cases a year now with the nine justices that they do have. It's also the 13 number is very interesting because currently there are theoretically six conservative justices on the court, if you include Roberts, but he can't be relied upon. And you have three solidly liberals. So you have a 6-3 court right now with the nine. If you were to add the four more justices you needed to add to have 13, you'd have a 7-6 to six conservative court, and in reality, you'd have a 7-5 to five conservative court. Uh, that's what's coming down the pike. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another National Preview Online podcast. If you have not already done so, please subscribe to the show. You can do so by either going to the iTunes App Store or the Google Play Store and simply clicking subscribe. In the alternative, you can download the free Podbean app in either one of those places. Whichever way you do it, just simply go to the stores and search for the NPO podcast. Click subscribe and you'll be off to the races. No difficulty there whatsoever. Uh, Please leave a review, uh, leave a comment. If you have any questions you'd like to ask myself or anyone else here at National Preview Online, simply email us at nationalpreviewonline at gmail.com. That's nationalpreviewonline at gmail.com. So, among these things happening today, I just thought I'd go over the news and look at a few of these things that are going on. I just mentioned to you the Molotov cocktails against the police officers. I mentioned to you the um, packing of the court. But there's so much more that's going on. So very, very, very much more. Um, Down at the border now, we have a crisis. And our illustrious president is saying this surge uh, can be dealt with by simply increasing the number of refugees that are allowed to be in the country. So we have a surge of illegal people who have no business to come into this country doing so, dragging themselves across the Rio Grande, uh, pregnant women dragging themselves across the Rio Grande in labor, all so their child can be born on this side of the border, and therefore we're responsible for that child for the rest of their lives, and then use him as an anchor to bring in the rest of their uh, uh, indigent families that now become wards of the rest of the taxpayers of the United States of America. This is the new social justice that the Democratic Party thinks they want to visit upon us. And the answer of the commander-in-chief, the president of the United States, this senile old fool, is to Well, if there's too many people coming in under the current uh, refugee restriction limit, we'll just raise the limit. Let them all come in. Let them all come in and see what we can do. This is systemic. This is endemic of a collective thinking 
on the part of uber leftists in this country, the Democratic Party, who are seeking to undermine this country and destroy it from within. What Nikita Khrushchev said back in the 1960s is coming to pass. A shot will not have to be fired. It will fall like a piece of ripened fruit into the communist basket. That is what your Democratic Party is. Make no doubt about it. Make no mistake about it. They are the Communist Party of America. And just as President Trump used to refer to the Wuhan virus correctly as the communist, the Chinese Communist Party virus, I'm going to begin to refer to the Democratic Party, the Communist Party of America. The Democratic Communist Party of America. That's what they are. Because every single thing, every single piece of their agenda and their platform is designed to undermine the founding of this country from this attempt to pack the court because they know they cannot pass what they wish to pass legislatively because they're ruling against the will, the collective will of the people. And they know that they cannot uh, do it any other way except jam it down the throats of the people with uh, judicial fiat. And so they're seeking to control the court. Then you have these uh, conspiracies, which I believe eventually are going to be brought to light. It's not a coincidence that this Chinese virus struck us during an election year, which wrecked our economy, not because of the virus itself, but because of the ill-advised plans, excuse me, that most of the governors of our respective states chose to implement. Notice that the Red states were the least affected by the virus uh, economically because their governors did the least in the way of intrusive measures to try and stop the virus because they recognized that with a 99.5% or better survival rate, there was no reason to go crazy over it. All the states that have gone uber-restrictive, New York, California, Michigan, they're in ruin with no end in sight. The restaurant business, the theater business, here in my home state of New York, devastated. Not coming back anytime soon. But there's still more. The arm of the Democratic Party in all of this, there is an unholy alliance between Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and the Democrat Communist Party of the United States. Why is it that in all of these blue states, where these <clears throat> reprobates, these rabble, these sorry blackguards from a bygone era coming out looking to predate upon the populace, looking to destroy businesses, looking to impose their will, looking to defund the police or eliminate the police. Why is it in all of these areas nothing is done to stop this riotous behavior? It's as if the elected officials, the officials elected to protect and serve the populace that elected them, has decided instead to defer to social deviants and disruptors and say this is democracy in action and let all of their citizenry and their businesses be laid waste by this wanton wave of violence. There is a conspiracy going on of the highest order in the Democrat Communist Party of the United States of America, and we see it at all levels of government. And the hypocrisy, hypocrisy has to be the watchword of this early part of the 21st century. We did the podcast last week about the hypocrisy uh, 
of the prosecutions of law enforcement officers when I highlighted what was going on with the Derek Chauvin case and now with Officer Kim Potter and this Dante Wright, another piece of garbage who orchestrated his own death by engaging in conduct that he should not have engaged in and and juxtapose that with the absolute cold-blooded murder of veteran Ashley Babbitt at the Capitol at the hands of a lieutenant in the Capitol Police whose name we still don't even know. This is the secret police. That's what life is going to be like if these people get their way. See, it's okay to be executed by the police as long as you're executed by the police that we want. The secret police, the stormtroopers, the Nazis. It's not the Republicans that are the Nazis. It's these Democrat pieces of garbage. But now the cracks are beginning to show. Black Lives Matter co-founder responds here to reports about alleged multi-million dollar home purchases. Does this surprise anyone? That these people who act and install themselves as the champions of the poor are far from poor themselves? BLM co-founder Patrice Cullors responded to reports from the New York Post and the Daily Mail about her real estate purchases that are allegedly worth millions of dollars. I'm reading this in the article from the Times. Colors, who previously described herself as a trained Marxist, suggested in an interview that owning several extravagant homes does not violate her ideological views. She was asked in the interview about the trained Marxist remark and whether it betrays her principles. Here's her quote. The way that I live my life is a direct support to black people, including my black family members first and foremost. Colors added that many black folks invest in their family and suggested that with the real estate purchases, that is what I have chosen to do. I have a child. I have a brother that has a severe mental illness and explained that she financially supports her family members. Meanwhile, after her Facebook blocked users from sharing the New York Post article about the real estate purchases of Colors, the social media giant has now blocked a report from the Daily Mail. So here's what we have here. Again, rules for thee, not for me. She's against capitalism. She's a pro-Marxist. Everyone should be equal. Everyone should share equally, but just that some of us are more equal than others. She decided that she needs more money. So for her, capitalism is perfectly acceptable. As long as it's it's protecting her because she's black and her black family, she's freed from the rules of Marxism and is freed to take as much capitalism as she needs to enrich herself. The rest of you, you just make do with the little crumbs that the Marxist and communist regimes are going to give you. This we have the hypocrisy from this lovely co-founder of BLM, Patrice Cullors. Looks like she isn't missing many meals either from the picture here. Looks like she should use a little restraint at the dinner table. Lose a few pounds, sweetheart. You're certainly not starving. This is what we're having. Now, on another corollary of this, you all remember Breonna Taylor. That was the woman that was shot during that... um, That raid in uh, Louisville, Kentucky last year, uh, even though the people that were around her, uh, uh, the subjects of that police raid, were engaged in criminal activity. They're the ones that put Breonna Taylor at risk, not the police who were forced to commit and fire. It was the people you surround with. You know, it's like rather like driving in a car with a bunch of drug dealers who are on the way to do a drug deal because they were kids that you grew up with in high school when you knew them and they were okay. And since that time, they've gotten into the bad things and hanging around with the wrong crowd. And you're coming home from what you thought was a dinner reunion 
But what you didn't really know is that during the reunion, <clears throat> there was a drug transaction and they were being monitored by an undercover narcotics unit. And now they pull the car over and your once high school childhood friends, instead of deciding to cooperate with the police, wind up taking out their guns and banging it out with the police. And miraculously, they're only hit or wounded or maybe not hit at all. And the only person who's shot and killed is you. Now, are we supposed to take from that that the police should no longer enforce narcotics? You made a bad choice. It's unfortunate. The people who are responsible for your death are not those police officers who fired that gun. It's your friends who put you in that position, your former friends. That's why we have terms called felony murder. When you set a chain of events in motion that brings about the death of another person, even though that death didn't directly come at your hand, it is nevertheless your responsibility and your fault. That's a felony murder. What happened here with Breonna Taylor is a felony murder. Now, why do I bring it up? Because of its connection with Black Lives Matter. Breonna Taylor's mother is now accusing Black Lives Matter of exploiting her daughter's name. Another article from the Times. The mother of Breonna Taylor, the woman shot and killed by police officers last year, claimed that a local Black Lives Matter group in Louisville, Kentucky, and other activists have exploited her daughter's death for political reasons and money. Tamika Palmer, that's the mother, on Wednesday wrote on Facebook to say that Taylor's friends and family members are the only ones who have supported her since her daughter's death. Quote, I have never personally dealt with BLM Louisville and personally have found them to be a fraud. There's the people at Injustice Square, a.k.a. Breeway, who have been 100% and held it down and doesn't go to say everyone down there, but they know who they are. Palmer also accused Representative, uh, Representative of Congress Attica Scott, Democrat from Kentucky, of being another fraud. Quote, I could walk in a room full of people who claim here to be for Brianna's family who don't even know who I am. I've watched you all raise money on behalf of Brianna's family, who has never done a damn thing for us, nor have we needed it. It's not clear if Palmer is exactly referring to BLM Louisville or Scott or another group, but it's clear that she knows the hypocrisy that's going on of people raising money under the auspices of justice for her daughter and have done nothing for her daughter and done nothing for the daughter's family. When the Epic Times contacted BLM Louisville and Representative Scott, for a uh, in, for a comment, <clears throat> they wouldn't comment. And Scott's one of the people trying to launch um, legislation in Congress to stop these no-knock warrants. He thinks they should be uh, a thing of the past. No-knock warrants are good when you're trying to go after people who have evidence that could be easily disposed of, like narcotics that could be flushed down a toilet bowl or... Uh, incinerated or things like that, sometimes you need a no-knock warrant if you can demonstrate to the judge that by alerting the people within of your presence outside that the evidence you're seeking inside might not pass muster because it would be destroyed during the breach. So no-knock warrants have been a very, very useful tool. They're not used all the time. Not every warrant is a no-knock warrant, but it's something that officers need to avail themselves of. Now, just to give you a little heads up what's coming up, for next week, uh, in keeping with this move by the Democrats to try and expand the court to 13 justices, on the threadbare argument that the court is broken, there is no evidence that the Supreme Court is broken. And if you do wish to say the Supreme Court is broken, there is 
like, uh, likewise, zero evidence to indicate that expanding the number of justices on this broken court is going to fix it. Because why is it broken in the first place? After all, every single justice on that court was exhaustively investigated by the Senate during the confirmation process. In fact, if you wanted to pick someone who doesn't belong on the court, it was someone who was put on the court by President Obama. Justice Elena Kagan. She was never a judge in her entire life. She was an academic at Harvard. What, how does she deserve to be on the Supreme Court? She never did a damn thing in a courtroom, never sat on a bench before. But by that aside, these are all experienced jurists. You think by adding uh, four more that this, these, this broken institution is suddenly going to become unbroken, if it can even be argued accurately that it was broken in the first place. But beyond that, They're trying to argue that everything is broken, that the Electoral College is broken. So next week, we're going to engage in a very, very interesting discussion of the Electoral College and how it actually works. Because the Electoral College, my friends, is more than just the thing that you see once every four years that elects your president. The Electoral College is what determines your congressional representation. That's why there are 535 electoral votes, because there are 535 members of Congress. One house, the lower chamber, is is the house that's supposed to represent the people. That's why there's 435 there. States with more people get more representatives. The Senate is supposed to represent the states themselves. That's why there's only 100, two from each state, Because each state as an entity is on equal footing with every other state. Population doesn't factor in. And it might interest you to know that up until about 100 years ago, 120 years ago, senators weren't elected. They were never meant to be. Since they were there to represent the state legislatures at the federal level, they were chosen by the state legislatures. And if that were done again today, we'd have a very, very different United States Senate and a very different country. But if you want to hear more about it, tune in next week. So enjoy your weekend. Until Monday, for National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury. 